flesh was redeemed, only beauty remains. My orphan heart was given a name. My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested and my life began. Oh, your grace, oh, free, washes over me. You have made me new, now life begins with you. Release from my chains, I'm a prisoner no more. My shame was a ransom he faithfully bore. He canceled my debt and he called me his friend. That's when death was arrested and my life began. Oh, your grace, oh, free, washes over me. You have made me new, now life begins with you. It's your New now life begins with you Savior displayed on a criminal's cross Darkness rejoices Jesus arose with our freedom in hand. That's when death was arrested and my life began. Oh, your grace so free washes over me. You have made me begins with you. It's your endless love pouring down on us. You have made us new. Now life begins with you. Yes, we're free, free forever, amen. When death was arrested and my life began, oh, we're free, free forever, we're free. Come join the song of all the redeemed. Yes.
As we uh, take a look at a new series that we're starting today called Unstuck. Welcome to those of you who are on Facebook Live. I know it look a little different with the background. It is vacation, Bible school week. And so um, if you uh, have someone ages uh, going into kindergarten this year and uh, or graduated from high school last year all the way through those ages, then you are more than welcome to vacation Bible school this year. Um, and so I, I, I really feel good, though, this morning. The people encouraged me a lot yesterday. They said that uh, they were not going to put this down in the aisles because of the older people. <laughs> they wanted the older people to trip on it, which means what? I'm not an older person. <laughs> they knew they could trust me not to trip up here. And so, <clears throat> so, um, <laughs> so I feel really good about that. So... <laughs> Look if you will, something now watch me fall for real. <laughs> I know nobody will laugh. <laughs> Very encouraging so far. <laughs> Psalm 37, first four verses, and um, I'm going to take a look at the idea of being unstuck. Do not fret, worry, be anxious, worked up because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. They shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Uh, you ever feel like you got stuck? You get stuck in a lot of ways, can't you? When I was about seven or eight years old, uh, my dad, my Uncle Bill, and I were uh, fishing some ponds right off of the uh, Amit River. And uh, somebody, I don't know who owned them, but somebody else owned the ponds. And so we had to drive a long ways from the paved road uh, to get back to where the ponds were. And so we had fished several that day. It was two o'clock or so in the afternoon. And we were going to the furthest pond. And as we're driving, I mean, we don't have a, you know, we're just driving down cow trails and those kind of things. We come up on like a little clearing like. And my dad said to my Uncle Bill, that sand looks soft. Maybe we should get out and check it before we drive across it. And um, my Uncle Bill, who is kind of a full speed ahead kind of a driver. Some of you have ridden with Uncle Bill. Uh, some of you went to my Uncle Bill, Nate Morales' house. Their house flooded several years ago, and some of you went down there and, and helped put their house together, for which they are eternally grateful that y'all uh, did that, and our church ministered to them that way. But Uncle Bill sort of a put the metal to the pedal kind of a guy, full speed ahead. And so Daddy said, uh, Bill... Uh, that sand looks pretty soft. I think we ought to stop, walk out there, and, and uh, check it out a little bit. And uh, my Uncle Bill said, you couldn't stick this truck if you tried. <laughs> anybody ever heard anybody say something along those kind of lines? That's a redneck saying right there, ain't it? <laughs> That's a true redneck saying. You couldn't stick this truck if you tried. And Daddy went to say something else, and he drove out there, and it just sunk. 
<laughs> all the way down to the axles. Just dropped. And so um, we were stuck. <laughs> and then we had a decision to make. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It's hot. It's in the summertime. We're the furthest, furthest we can be uh, from the paved road. And so we had to decide. They had to decide. I'm about seven or eight years old. They had to decide, do we walk out and find somebody, see if we can find somebody with a truck or tractor to come pull us out, or do we dig it out? And y'all know what, some of y'all know what that means. You dig and you put sticks and stuff underneath the wheels and, you know, you hunt and stuff, all that kind of stuff. So I'm the stick guy. We decided, they decided to dig. To this day, my daddy will say that's the longest he's ever played in the sand. <laughs> And uh, it took hours, you know, it took hours. And I, I, you know, I'm seven or eight years old, and uh, I can feel the tension kind of going on. So I walked onto the pond and fished for a little while. But uh, when I came back, they're still digging, and they're both red. How many of you know 1968? How many of y'all think they had sunscreen on? <laughs> yeah, that's just funny right there, isn't it? They, we didn't do the sunscreen's a cap. <laughs> you know, that, that's about the two reddest men I've ever seen come I, Anger combined with sun, <laughs> you know, and um, we like to never got out of there. When we finally got it out, we did not go fishing anymore. We went home. <laughs> they were time; they were ready to get out of the heat and, uh, and and get in some air conditioning. And you could call my daddy today and ask him about that event, and uh, he'll still say, "I can hear Bill saying, you couldn't stick this truck if you tried.'" <laughs> Do you think my daddy ever reminded my Uncle Bill of that? <laughs> yeah, 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 regularly. Hey, Bill, remember that truck you had couldn't get stuck if you tried? <laughs> well, how many of you know being stuck in a truck is not the only place you can get stuck, amen? We can get stuck in our marriages. We can get stuck in friendships. We can get stuck in our relationship with God. We get stuck your quiet time, get stuck in your prayer life, get stuck in your sharing Christ's life, get stuck in your serving God by serving others' uh, life. You get stuck in bad habits, get stuck in emotions, jealousy, envy, anger, lust, greed, all these kind of things. We get stuck in a lot of ways. And as uh, Christians, I want us to talk for several weeks about what it means to, uh, to get unstuck. Because here's the thing I want us to see today, God has the ability to get us unstuck. God doesn't want us to be stuck. He has the ability to get us unstuck. And if I had to give you a definition today of what it means to be unstuck, uh, one psychologist put it this way, when you want to do a thing and know you should do a thing and have the resources and choices to do the thing and don't, you're stuck. Now, what she means by resources and choices, if somebody in the Ukraine feels stuck in their career, well, they don't have the resources to do a whole lot about that. But if God, now here's what we're going to talk about. If God wants you to be growing in an area of your life and you're not, and you know you should be, then you're stuck. And, and the big idea here is that God, God has a way. God has a way for you. Everybody say, for me. God has a way for me to get unstuck. And we're going to look at that during these weeks about being unstuck. And so look, if you will, I want to talk about several things here about being unstuck today from Psalm chapter 37. As we look at just sort of an introductory message, introductory message on, uh, on how God helps us to get unstuck. So here's three helps for you uh, to get unstuck. Number one, be aware of the reality. Be aware of the reality, and, and one of the things I prayed this morning and praying all week is that God would reveal to us any area 
where we're stuck. And you know, you, because that's the kindness of God. It's kind of God to show us because you can't get moving if you don't know you're stuck. You can't make progress if you don't realize that you've kind of gotten stuck in a particular area. And look, watch this. We tend to get stuck because we're not honest with ourselves about ourselves. We tend to get stuck because we're not honest with ourselves about ourselves. You know, I could just ask you the question, are you really worshiping this morning? You, know, uh, you could ask yourself, in my prayer life, am I really growing or am I stuck? Am, am I really sharing my faith or am I stuck? You see, it's easy to lie to ourselves, uh, lie to ourselves about ourselves. We lie to ourselves about as much as we lie to anybody. You can feel like that you're living a healthy lifestyle. You can feel like, man, I've been trying to eat better and I'm trying to exercise better. And I know I had a cheat day yesterday and there was that other cheat day. And, but see, if you get on the scales and they show that you weigh more today than you did six months ago, you're just lying to yourself. Okay, you're lying to yourself about yourself. It's so easy to feel like I'm doing okay. And so we need to ask the Lord today, Lord, show me any area where I'm stuck in my relationship with you. And the thing is, we're experts at lying to ourselves about ourselves. So here's what I want you to look at. First Psalm 37, verse 1. Do not fret, not worry, get agitated because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. Now, here's an odd thing. They were stuck, David's writing to some people, and they were stuck because they were worrying about what other people were doing. <laughs> they were worrying about how other people were getting along. They were worrying about what other people were doing in their life. They were worrying about, man, those guys don't even go to church, and how come they're getting along seemingly better than we are? Those guys are really not any good, and yet look at all the money they're making. How can they afford to live in a house like that? How can they afford two cars like that? How can they be getting by? How can they, have, how can they do the things they're doing? How can their family look so happy when, when they don't even go to church? And, and I know nobody today ever gets called up comparing yourself to somebody else. Nobody ever gets worked up about what somebody else is doing on social media or what somebody else is saying about you or about their family or the pictures they're taking, all that kind of stuff. But here's the thing. They're stuck because what? Their focus is not on Christ. Their focus is, what, uh, is on what other people are doing, how other people are getting along. And so he says, don't fret. Don't get agitated. Now, the idea is anxiety. And what I want to say today, a couple of things. One is, your anxiety and what you worry about is a signal that something is wrong. Now, I'm not talking about crippling anxiety today. I'm not talking about full-blown panic attacks today. I'm not, you know, I'm, this sermon cannot deal with those kinds of things. Those are medical issues and professional issues. And if you have full-blown anxiety, full-blown uh, panic attacks, I would encourage you to see a medical doctor and, some, and a therapist to help with that. But this will help with that. It's not, it's not a question of uh, or medicines and therapy. If you're a specialist thing, you need that, then do that. That's one of God's helps for you. I think we need to take away the stigma. Somebody goes to therapy, a lot of times that means they're smart. <laughs> they're wise. They realize they're stuck, and they're looking for somebody that has the ability to help them. And so I'm not saying don't do that, and I'm not saying this is in place of that. I'm saying this comes alongside if you have that kind of anxiety. But I'm talking about today mostly the, the things we tend to worry about. 
Things kind of keep you up when you're trying to go to sleep at night. Things that you wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and think, what about this? What about that? It's a signal. It's a signal that something needs your attention. And so, by the way, fear is the same way. Procrastination is the same way. Anger is the same way. These emotions that, that get us riled up, they're signals that something is wrong. You're afraid, you're worried, you're stressed, you're concerned. And so there's something going on here that needs your attention. And it may be your stress, your anxiety, it may be that you're stuck somewhere. And you need to, and, and, and I'm not saying that God's behind all your anxiety, but I am saying that God can get your attention, not that he's trying to, but in your worry, if you'll ask, God, am I stuck somewhere? Is there something in my life, because there probably is, that needs attention? See, if you're stressed over your finances, what is God trying to tell you in that? If you're stressed over your family, what is God trying to tell you in that? If you're stressed over your health, what's God trying to tell you in that? If you're stressed over your children, what's God trying to say to you in that? If you're stressed over being stressed, can I get an amen? <laughs> what is God trying to say to you if you're stressed over being stressed? I don't know, but it may be that you're overspending. It may be that you're spending too much time at work and neglecting your family. It may be that you're spending too much time on things other than your relationship with God. It may be that you're, and I'm not saying all your issues are with God, but I'm telling you what, a lot of your issues, a lot of my issues stem from a heart blockage in our relationship with God. Not all, but a lot do that. And so he says, don't be envious. Let this get your attention. You don't need to be comparing yourself with other people. So here is your weekly growth suggestion. Can you simply... Ask the Holy Spirit to show you if there's an area in your life where you are stuck. And what is one action? Everybody say one action. What is one action step you can take to get moving? All right? Where are you stuck? And what is one action step that you can take to start moving? I, I read about a, a, a bracelet that was invented several years ago. It was specifically invented for day traders in another country. Now, day traders, extremely stressful position, extremely high-stress job, and, and there's, you know, trading stocks and things, buying stocks, selling stocks, all this kind of stuff, and there's a lot of action, a lot of noise, markets going up and down, and, so, and they're dealing with lots and lots of money, not just their money, lots of other people's money, and they invented this bracelet, that um, electronic bracelet, that would let them know when they were getting overstressed. Well, let them know when their emotions were getting out of control because they knew that if they got too nervous, too stressed, they would make irrational decisions. And so the, the, there'd be colors on that bracelet, there'd be an alarm go off on that bracelet. When that alarm went off, that warned the investor to stop and carefully consider any decisions you might be about to make. Don't you wish we had a spiritual bracelet like that? <laughs> well, you kind of do. <laughs> it's in your heart, right? It's in your mind. It's in your conscience. The Holy Spirit sort of. But, but see, your, your anxiety, your fear, your anger, your jealousy, your envy, your greed, your lust, all of these, that's your bracelet going off, warning you to be careful about the decisions you're about to make because you need to kind of check things out. Second thing I want you to, first of all, bring some awareness to what's going on in your heart and life and just ask. Is this a stuck place? Second thing, acknowledge the reward that you get from being stuck. 
You say, well, what is the reward? Whether you get a reward, see, if you weren't, if you weren't doing an activity that got you stuck or is keeping you stuck, if there wasn't some kind of reward from it, you wouldn't do it. So you're getting something out of it. You see, if you're stuck in your health, you're stuck in your relationships with God and other people, your finances, your prayer life, your Bible study, you're serving God by serving other people. If you're stuck in there, there's a reason and you're getting something out of that. And you got to identify what is the reward that I am getting. Look at Psalm 37 verse 2. Now, by the way, the reward's not worth it, right? That's what we're going to see. Psalm 37 2. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. So what the psalmist is saying, these evildoers, these workers of iniquity, they're doing that for a reason. Now, they're not seeing the end of it, but why are they doing it? To get rich, to have an easier lifestyle. You see, and when he's talking about this, he's not talking about somebody that's wealthy, that you know, an entrepreneur that started their own business and worked hard and made some money, or somebody that, you know, got a good education, or got some good training, worked hard and, and made... No, he's talking about people that lie about and they take credit for what somebody else did at the job. He's talking about people who blame other people for their poor work. He's talking about people that don't pay their employees a fair wage. He's talking about people that are making their money by beating somebody else out of theirs, okay? So he's not talking about well-earned money. He's talking about they're getting a reward. So what I want is what's the reward that we're getting for being stuck? Let me break it down. If you're stuck in your family, in your marriage relationship, children relationship, the reward may be the avoidance of a hard conversation. The reward may be that you can watch Netflix and not have to talk to anybody. The reward may be you don't have to risk the embarrassment of apologizing to somebody else. If you're struggling in your quiet time, the reward may be you're staying up late watching TV. You can't get up early enough in the morning to, watch, to do your quiet time. The reward may be do you know God's going to convict you if you get real and honest with him and you don't really want to deal with it right now? If you're stuck in your church life, and you're serving in your church, Sunday school, worship service, vacation, Bible school, whatever, you're not really serving in your church, there's a reward you're getting out of that. You don't really want to get close to people maybe. You know, you got something else you really want to do, some other place you want to spend time. That you're, There's something you're getting out of it. What we need to see is the reward that we get for being stuck does not compare to the reward that God offers us. You see, the reward for being stuck is often temporary. But how many of you know that if you don't want to deal with a family issue and so you're spending all your time at work, how many of you know that's going to bite you somewhere or another later on down the road? How many of you know if your reward is staying up watching uh, Netflix or social media or something like that, you can't get up and have a quiet time in the morning? How many of you know it's going to bite you somewhere or another in your relationship with God because something's going to happen and you're not going to have the joy, you're not going to have the peace, not going to have the strength that God wants you to have and God's been offering to you, but you bailed on it by not walking with God in a daily way. You see, you might be uh, uh, not sharing your faith because you don't want to look embarrassed or look silly, but how many of you know there comes a day when you're going to say, I wish I'd have shared my faith with those guys. I wish I'd have told somebody about you. Hey, you know, those people that you go to high school with, you go to college with, it amazed me how little I see of any of those people anymore. 
Sometimes people you work with, they move away or something happens and you don't get it, you don't hang out with them anymore. And there's times when people are interested in Jesus and they, they kind of have a heart for God right after youth camp. During vacation Bible school, there are some parents that are very likely are going to be more interested in church during the next couple of weeks. And if we don't reach out now, they may not be interested six months from now. And so we don't want to be stuck and by, you know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, not, I don't want to get out of my comfort zone now. And sometimes being stuck, it's just, just kind of like people feel sorry for you. <laughs> just kind of like, oh, poor them. They just have such a hard, hard time. So the key to getting unstuck is realizing there are bigger rewards. Everybody say bigger rewards. There are bigger rewards for being unstuck than staying stuck. You see, I've been talking about the rewards of being stuck, the rewards of being unstuck. Amen? The joy of obedience. The peace that comes from praying and giving your burdens to the Lord. Uh, the reward of seeing somebody make a step towards Jesus because you invited them. You invited their kids to Bible school. You taught them in Sunday school. You taught their kids in Sunday school. It, Rhonda talked about seeing Addie grow over these years. Right? That, those of you who taught Addie in GAs in Sunday school, aren't you glad to see her on mission trips these days? And the reward of that is far bigger. The chance, the reward of the chance of experiencing God, putting your arm around somebody and praying for them and them saying that meant so much to me. These are the rewards that we need to focus on. These are the rewards that we need to care about to acknowledge what the rewards are. And almost all of us would say, there was a time, if you're a Christian, you walk with God very long. There was a time when I was stuck. And it felt, it just felt gross. It felt cruddy. It felt, <laughs> as one of the teenagers said on, when we were on the, uh, in Tennessee, one of the teenagers said, you... <laughs> I don't think that's a good word, right? You, <laughs> But when you start moving, obeying God, doing the thing, don't you feel clean when you confess that sin? Don't you feel the joy when you are not stuck in that anymore? Aren't you glad when you look back and you say, man, for four years there, I didn't have a quiet time. I know none of you ever went four years without having a quiet time, but people that watch it on Facebook and other churches might have. I went, a, I went, you know, I went four years without having a quiet time, and I mean, I've been having a quiet time for four years now, and I'm so glad I'm doing that. So glad I'm involved with God and with God's people. So the last thing, the last thing I want you to see. First of all, we are aware of the reality, or am I stuck? We're asking God. I've been praying. God, show us somewhere. We acknowledge the reward. I'm either going to get a reward for being stuck or being unstuck, and then we act. Everybody say act. We act in reliance. We act in trust. You, here's the thing. You can't think your way out of being stuck. You can't have good intentions and get unstuck. You can't just talk about being unstuck. You have to act. Everybody say act. Well, look at Psalm 37, verse 3. Psalm 37, verse 3 and 4. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Look what it says. Verse 3 says, what? Trust in the Lord, okay? Trust in the Lord. So we're relying on God to get us unstuck. God has the power. We're going to talk about that next week. God has the power to do it through us. God has the power to do it with us. God has the power to show us how to get unstuck. And so our trust is in God. Everybody say in God. In God. But now watch what? Trust in the Lord and what's, everybody say the next word real loud. You got to do. You got to act. 
You can't think your way out of being unstuck. You can't wish your way out of being unstuck. You have to act. You have to do something. You have to take a step. Because here's the thing. Here's the good thing. When I talk about being unstuck, I'm not talking about you arrive at the full-blown vision of the Christian life, okay? Being unstuck doesn't mean that, man, you are exactly the kind of parent you wanted to be. You're exactly the kind of church member you wanted to be. You're exactly the kind of witness you wanted to be. All of that's just perfect. I'm not talking about that. That's called heaven. (laughs) And this ain't that. Stuck, uh, being unstuck means you're moving. You're growing. You're making progress. And here's the reason why I say act, why I want to say do good so far. If you will act, if you take one step, you're not stuck anymore. Now you're moving. <laughs> now you're moving. You're mo- and do good, move in the right direction, right? Dwell in the, in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord. What does that mean? Consider God's rewards way better than the rewards of being stuck. And so here's the question today. Where are you stuck at? And what is one thing that you can do this week to get moving? One thing you can do this week to get moving. Because if you do one thing, you're not stuck anymore. God can guide a moving thing better than somebody that's just sitting there, right? And so you take one step. And I would encourage you. Here's one of my big encouragements this week for you. Get a win. I, I read one lady. She's a trauma uh, specialist. And she said when she deals with people that are stuck in trauma, she encourages them to look for a micro Yes. A micro yes. You know what a micro yes is? It's a little bitty yes. <laughs> it's a little bitty yes, okay? You don't have to get to the finish line today, okay? You don't have to go out on the square and, uh, and, and just ask everybody that walks by if they know they're Jesus or not, okay? If you want to, it's great, but you don't have to do that. Find a micro yes. Find a small yes. Small yes. Start going to Sunday school. Small yes. Bring up Jesus with one person this coming week. Have a five-minute quiet time. You say, that's not very long. It's not. It's a micro yes. Now, if you're having a 30-minute quiet time, don't go back to a five, okay? I'm talking about if you're not having a quiet time, you don't spend time with God, five minutes, ask God, speak to me from your word. If you don't have a place to read in the Bible, start in the book of John with the translation you can understand. Read just read five or ten verses, and then ask God to help you understand it. Ask him to walk with you that day. Ask him to use you that day. Thank him for his blessings, and go to work, Okay. Pray. Maybe, maybe your micro yes is to pray while you're driving to work. But wherever you, you're stuck at, maybe in your family, have a, look, if you want to do a family devotion time, I would encourage that. If you have kids under five years old, I would not do 45 minutes. In the book of Ezekiel. <laughs> I would do short. I would do five minutes. If you've ever seen the Jesus Storybook Bible, that's one of the ones we did. It's one of our favorite ones. And we got it when uh, Joel and Hannah Grace were a little bit, we thought they were a little bit old, but they loved it. They loved it. Jesus Storybook Bible. But here's the thing. A habit is easier to maintain than it is to start. You say, man, I need to exercise more. Walk 100 yards three days this week, okay? Get a micro yes. Get started. Find the place where you're stuck and then get started. I was reading about a, 
uh, a lady in New York City, she was actually working for the Girl Scouts, and I know there's probably political and social all kind of issues with the Girl Scouts, but if we can just set that aside for a minute, I don't know what they are, I don't follow Girl Scouts, but I, we just set that aside for a minute and uh, kind of focus on this one lady's uh, deal. Uh, her name was Gazelle Burgess. She actually worked for the Girl Scouts, and she was homeless. She was living in a shelter, and it was horrible. She had three children. Um, Living in a shelter, um, trying to find housing. She, she had a job. She just couldn't afford housing at that particular point. And she's working for the Girl Scouts. And so she asked them, can I start a troop in the shelter? That's moving, right? That's taking a step. I don't have a house. I don't have a neighborhood. I don't have a place to do that. Can I start a group in the shelter and they said yes and so uh, she started with her and her two children and uh, her little girl said I was so nervous at the beginning trying to sell Girl Scout cookies and y'all they have sold over a million dollars worth of Girl Scout cookies since 2017 when they were in, they're no longer in the shelter they've been able to get out of the shelter but they have sold over a million dollars they have benefited about 2,500 women and children living in shelters through their Girl Scout troop the, her girl and her best friend, they're both shy. They say it was so hard for us to try to sell cookies. They've tried to sell them online in New York City. Some of the folks kind of come alongside them and help a little bit. But Bank of America matched their funds one year. But here's the thing. None of that happens if she doesn't go and say, I'm stuck. I'm in a shelter. My children are in a shelter. Can I just take one step and start a girls' Scout troop? And all of a sudden, 2,500 people have benefited from that. And both girls say they want to be child therapists when they grow up because they want to help somebody else. Today, don't get hung up trying to help 2,500 people. What is your micro yes? What is your small yes to get you moving? Would you stand, please, with heads bowed and eyes closed? With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one... Uh, looking around. So we've been asking, Lord, where are we stuck? And what's our micro yes? Lord, where are we stuck at? And what is our micro yes to say, I'm going to get unstuck. I'm going to start moving. I'm going to start moving. Ask the Lord that today. Ask God to show you that, help you with that. And as we have our invitational time, just a moment, Lisa's going to play softly. Would you just pray? <laughs> And get started. How's your, let me ask you a question as your head's bowed and eyes are closed. What, how does your one word help you here? How does your one word help you get unstuck? Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that many, many of us this week would take a micro step. It's a little small yes. And Lord, make a move towards you. Make a step toward you, oh Lord. Speak to us, God, right now. Show us where we're stuck and one step we can take to move towards you. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Then we're looking around. Lisa begins to play softly this morning. If you want to come to an altar, that may be your micro step. Just go to the altar and say, Lord, I'm going to start praying. And I'm going to start praying with people. And I'm going to start by saying yes to the altar this morning. Maybe grabbing your spouse by the hand. Just saying, let's go to the altar. Just praying right there in, in the pew where you're at. Say, let's start praying together. Look, you don't have to pray 30 minutes together. Just pray for three minutes together put a micro step a micro yes talk to Jesus